All right, you've got Corey here. And Meredith. And you're listening to the Foreign Saints podcast, a pulse check for those of us that die daily. And we've got a doozy of one today. I'm going to do our best to keep the intro short. Uh, We're talking about righteousness and excellence in our Christian character. Um, Just as an expectation of our Christianity, um, because Meredith and I were having really extensive dialogue about this topic um, over the last couple days, which is why she is impromptu on this episode because um, <laughs> life's gotten me away from other ones <laughs> that's 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 definitely true that's definitely true and by life i mean our child <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah you know tell the people meredith um just about what kind of you know what kind of lights your fire on this topic because i could go for yeah. have gone for a while on this i think something in our conversations the last few days over this has just been the acceptance of spiritual immaturity in the church and how we've just accepted the fact, you know, like there's al- there's almost not just an, an expectation, but like you ought to have like a certain sin struggle that's like a part of your identity, you know, like as a part of your walk, like, hey, I, you know what my struggle is, it's just anxiety or lust or fill in the blank but like in christ your identity shouldn't be in those things but we talk about it all the time and that you know it's really you know that you know be perfect as jesus is perfect like man it's just i i'm not able to achieve that because of fill in the blank and the the knee-jerk reaction is well of course none of us are going to be perfect but that's not the call to be apathetic towards sanctification your call is to be perfect to walk in excellence you know to outdo what each each other in honor like that's our call and there's grace for when we stumble yes that's 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 the gospel and that's excellence in our christian character right we we very much love the verse and we should that you know he became sin Mm -hmm. on our behalf but There's a second half to that verse and that concept that we become the righteousness of God in him. What does that look like practically? Yeah. Like we like if you're listening to this, you should be able to explain at some level of depth the doctrine of penal substitutionary atonement. So you should be able to understand that we become the righteousness of God in one sense, in a substitutionary sense where Jesus is that for us and his life we take, um, you know, as our representation, but there's more to it than that. And not like the whole Bible, old and new Testament talk of God's people, um, in, you know, best case scenario as being people with characters of excellence. And we intend to prove that today Mm -hmm. in the scriptures. Um, we've all heard of, Proverbs 31, because mm-hmm. um, all us lonely men's out there want ourselves a Proverbs 31 woman. Um, what a lot of cats don't know is that there's a male equivalent. Um, it's just the reason most of us <laughs> don't know it is because it's in a book that none of us want to read. Right. Um, Job 29, in mm-hmm. my humble opinion, is the Proverbs 31 equivalent. I ran yeah. it by my wife. <laughs> she agrees. Which means it's now theological fact. Right, yeah. You know, like, you can't you can't dispute it. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, we're going to start our proof texting for this concept in Job chapter 29. Um, you know, m- mainly focusing on the back on the back half of the chapter. But Job here is, you know, kind of, you know, the, the scripture says Job again took up his discourse and said. But what we get here is a description from Job about his life, what his life was like in the time and the years before the time of suffering that he goes through in in his book. Um, and I'm inclined to believe this because God at the beginning and the end of the book of Job reaffirms Job's character. Right. At the beginning, God lifts him up as a blameless man that walked in integrity. That's a heavy statement. Which is why he allowed all this to happen. Yeah, that, that's the reason yeah. why Job was even a, a proper test candidate for this whole situation was, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Like, they're, 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 you know, it's not a crazy idea that there's a certain level of suffering that you in your current character are not eligible for. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> we're starting early but that's tough man that's that's tough like which is kind of a crazy statement like some you know we say all the time like you know god keeps his hardest battles for his toughest soldiers we use it sometimes a lot of times for just consequences of sin that we yeah, got ourselves into right not um, actual like legit trials yeah you know yeah. we're thrown up from our hangover god saved his hardest <laughs> battle uh-huh. you know? and i'm like i'm like you look Say that to the guy getting steamrolled in Kim Jong-un's court right, right now yeah. for the witness of Jesus and then tell me that, you know, whatever. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but God reaffirms his character at the end of the book. That's why God has Job's friends give sacrifices of repentance to God through Job as their intermediary. Because he's saying, no, Job did this right. Even in the middle of all this, his integrity was always there. It's really big, mm-hmm. but that too is a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. So I'm inclined to believe to take Job at his word in chapter 29 when he describes his own life. Hey, be warned, man. Some hero stuff. All right, ladies, if you if you find yourself a Christian man like this, he, he, he's a Job. He's a Job 29 man. Don't friend zone him with the foreign saint seal of approval. Okay. But this is what Job says, right? Job again took up his discourse and said, <clears throat> verse 2, Oh, that I were as in the months of old, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. That's big. Can you say that about yourself? Can you say that it's like a regular aspect of your life that you walk through the darkness of this life on a day-to-day basis by the light of Christ? Or... Is it more accurate? Is it more accurate that you would say you just kind of find yourself hopping from, you know, battle to battle um, without feeling much guidance uh, or application from the word? You know what I mean? Like, that's not what Job was talking about here. (laughs) Verse four, as I was in my prime, when the friendship of God was upon my tent, when the almighty was yet with me, when my children were all around me, when my steps were washed with butter and the rock whoops yeah and the rock poured out for me streams of oil when i went out to the gate of the city when i prepared my seat in the square the young men saw me and withdrew and the aged rose and stood the princes refrained from talking and laid their hand on their mouth the voice of the nobles was hushed and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth when the ear heard it called me blessed and when the eye saw it approved 
because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to help him. The blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I searched out the cause of him whom I did not know. I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. Is that you? Is that you? Mer Mer Meredith, what's, what's your thought? What's your thought? I I think the first thing is just that he was sought out as a place of refuge, mm -hmm. you know, for the orphan and the widow and those in distress, like just the discussion of like people sought him out for that because he stood up, stood out from the rest, mm -hmm. you know, like that, that again, that's our call as Christ followers is we're supposed to stand out from the rest so that his light can shine through us. Like, your your desire as a follower of Christ should be that people want to come to you to hear more of the gospel so that way they can in turn have that overflow out of them. But it you should know? be both and like Job yeah. went out and searched out the cause of people that he didn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, like almost picture it like if Job wakes up today and he doesn't have rescue work to do, he goes out and finds something to do. Right. Oh <laughs> come on. Come on, that's good. Is there not something in your Christian character that desires to grow up unto that yeah. as a full maturity? Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah. But that's not what we lift up. Yeah. Like we, we really look at a description like this and we're like, eh, you know, that was Job. Yeah, I know. Oh, I can never be like him. <laughs> I can never be like him, which yeah. we will circle back to, by the way. Yeah. But for now, I'll just say, look, man, if Job was a real person that really lived, mm -hmm. there's no, there's no difference between Job and you, yeah. why can't you be Job's modern day contemporary? Yeah. Why can't you? Whatever answer you're going to give to that question, that's a you thing. Yeah. Like that's got to do with something that you choose not to do. It's not something that's to do with how you're built. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not something to do with how you've been rebuilt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Get into that in the back half of the episode. But I think like what you were, you know, starting to go on is just, there's always the choice, just like there's a choice to continue in salvation. There's a choice to continue in righteousness in, in your faith. You know, the, the verse that we talked a lot about the other day, um, verse 14, I put on righteousness and it clothed me, you know, like it starts off with the choice to put that on. You and know, the fact that you get that robe of righteousness handed to you is grace yeah. from God. You didn't earn it. Right. Your goodness didn't earn you a custom-made robe. Yeah. It was a gift. Yeah. But once you put it on, it describes you. Right. And, you know, we'll talk about in later scriptures in this episode, like, sanctification doesn't happen by osmosis. <laughs> right. Like, there is action that the Holy Spirit does through you, but through your works. You know, like mm -hmm. it's not, you know, like you said, you don't earn it, but that's a part like you have to put in the work for growth. You know, like if you're not continuously, you know, like we, we've talked in previous episodes about the means of grace. If you're not participating in those, if you're not diving into the word, if you're not seeking him in prayer, if you're not gathering with his people and fellowship and breaking bread and serving others, like, of course, you're going to stay stagnant. Of course, you're going to be content in your apathy for where you're currently at in your infancy. You know, of course, you're not going to want steak if all you've had is milk. But once you have steak, you're going to be like, I want more of this. 
you yep. know, but yep. you have to make the choice to reach for it. The issue isn't that you drink milk. Yeah. Right. The issue is the fact that a lot of our church culture demonizes as legalism mm. those who eat meat. Yeah. Like that is the real issue, right? Mm -hmm. To get to meat, you have to go through the nursery. Mm -hmm. No one's right. saying otherwise. Right. But it's crazy to call mm -hmm. the nursery 12th grade calculus. Right. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely insane. Right. And the author of Hebrews even talks about that, right? Where he's like, we couldn't take you into the deep things of the gospel. Right. Still focus on the gospel, by the way. Right. You never move on from the gospel. You should be continuously preaching the gospel to yourself. You just learn more application and right. further implications of the gospel that right. you were supposedly uh, made firm in. Right. Right. But you never move on from the gospel. But there are deeper lessons to learn in it beyond John 3.16. There are deeper applications. There is an upward call of God in Christ Jesus that Paul in Philippians 3 will literally say, let the mature think this way. Yeah. In other words, if you want to be mature, if maturity in Christ is your goal, yeah, there's a certain thought process that the mature have that the immature in Christ don't have. Mm -hmm. are still learning yeah. you know what i mean and job 29 starts to paint a picture of what that is like this right here is what god wants to grow his people into i would say specifically as men mm -hmm. but i mean i'll save job 29 for another specific episode yeah. of christian manhood perhaps <laughs> um but for now like just just really think about that right like to finish out his chapter Men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After I spoke, they did not speak again, and my word dropped upon them. Why? Because he's got something to say. He's not dealing in the riffraff trash of this world. He's actually got something worth hanging on to in his words. They waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouths as for the spring rain. I smiled on them when they had no confidence, and the light of my face they did not cast down. I chose their way and sat as chief, and I lived like a king among his troops, like one who comforts mourners. Mm. All right? Here, the Jesus in that. So many of these descriptions of the man Job are things you might find in the Psalms as descriptions of how God deals with his people. Yeah. Right? And you kind of start to see this blurring of character between, is this Jesus' character or the character of his people? Yes. Because Jesus lives amongst his people. He lives in his people. When you're amongst his people, when you're amongst his mature people, you should see an unshrouded image of the king. Right? And I can say personally in my own life and ministry, by God's grace, I've had moments where I've been there. And it's really humbling when you're there, too, where people are like, yo, like, God met with me tonight and, like, you were how he did it. Mm. You know? And like, well, it's not because I'm that awesome, I can tell you that. But one thing I can tell you is a lot of work went into this, yeah. but not work to prove my own righteousness. You know it's what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. It's work to prove his righteousness, if anything else. Right. Um, on that note, we flip forward um, into Proverbs 31, uh, the female equivalent of this. And, you know, we've been there before, but... Um, you know, I trust, uh, I trust Meredith to for you guys are fresh with this one. <laughs> so, yeah, we were going to start with Lemuel. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
because we kind of talked a little bit about everything. But we did actually. Yeah. <laughs> we were all over the place. We were yeah. talking about this the other night. Um, yeah, the words of King Lemuel, yeah. an oracle that his mother taught him. Mm-hmm. That's tough, man. That's tough, man. Yeah. Like random mom's words are good enough to get in here. Yeah. What about your words? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. But verse two is tough. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Mm. Right. And like I was like I was saying to Meredith before starting this, verse two is what God would say to a lot of the immature yeah. in Him. What are you doing, my son? Man, you are His mm-hmm. son, but let's be honest and talk. What are you doing? What are you doing, son of my womb? You're acting like you're a son of the world when you're not. Yeah. Right. Heard it in so many different like superhero flicks. You know what I mean? Don't talk like one of them. You're not. Mm-hmm. You know, because um that one is joker to batman actually in dark Knight, mm-hmm. you know when he's talking a certain way and he, no 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 don't talk like you belong out there you're different mm-hmm. own it you know what i mean like and that's what god would say to a lot of us immature what are you doing you're immature but you don't have to be that's kind of the that's the convicting question in proverbs how long oh simple ones will you love being simple because you don't have to be You've been grafted into this rich bounty of wisdom that can make a foolish person wise. And yet you're insisting on living as the fool morally. Why? That's the question that we hope that you'll ask yourselves, right? That's the pulse check for this episode, right? Because there's some of y'all that are going to hear this either now or long after this goes up that are immature and don't have to be. Yeah why right like there's like we said like there's that idolization honestly of your sinful status you know Mm -hmm. like we we glamorize the fact that we're broken and we're not him you know especially if you think of some of our worship songs honestly like you hear more lyrics and heart behind um the fact that we're broken lowly sinful creatures Oh, and then, you know, God saved us and we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're grafted mm-hmm. into his kingdom, you know, all of that. But it's like almost like an afterthought in some of our worship songs, you know. Um, but like here, like, you know, continuing on, it's not for kings, O Lemuel, to, it's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of the afflicted. Like just to, you know, it continues on like. Verse open, four- open your mouth for the mute in verse eight. Yeah. Open your mm-hmm. mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. This is King Lemuel's yeah. mom talking to him. Right. And I think like I was saying, saying, what are you doing? Yeah. Like we were saying before this episode, like for me, what stood out is just kind of the, you know, I don't know if it's a direct illusion, but it reminds me and kind of echoes back to like Samson, you know, because he got caught up in all of that, even though he was called to a higher Mm-hmm. you know, standard because he decided to run with the world and go forth with the sinful status of, you know, yep. his heart. What yep. happened? <laughs> yep. You know, woman toward of heart. What but, might Lot's story have been? Right. Had he been mature and mm-hmm. stayed at the side of Abraham yeah. throughout the story? Right. He might have had a fourth patriarch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. But it's just, again, like this, you know, this mom crying out to her son who is of a call to excellence, a king is called to excellence and to be set apart, right? Right. They're 
above the rest of society. Right. There's this call and an expectation that when you are in that title, you are called to a higher standard. And the there's same a reason, way, there's a reason why Proverbs is addressed. Yeah. There's a reason why the why the rhetorical conceit of Proverbs is a king giving advice to his son, who mm. would be the prince. Who is going to inherit his kingdom sounds here funny. here sounds okay <laughs> we got a kingdom to inherit people right yeah. and he's saying look man like follow what i'm giving you and you will be made wise and if you follow in this training to its completion i will have made you like me yeah to the point where you can inherit this kingdom yeah but i have ran efficiently yeah right like, some of y'all really don't believe that y'all are holier than thou. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> we think of it as a, a bashful yeah. statement. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, isn't it true? Yeah. Like you, ought, you ought to be. Didn't Jesus take you out of the slop of sin, wash you clean, set you upon the rock? Yeah. Didn't he? Didn't he make you a city on a hill? He went down into the lowness and found you there and brought you up out of it, mm -hmm. right? By grace. But now that you are set on a hill, it is accurate to say you are holier than thou. Yeah. Sure, don't act conceited. Don't be a jerk. But don't go to the other extreme of being like, there's really no real difference between me and someone in the world. Yeah. But that's also getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But then, you know, continuing on in the rest of Proverbs 31, I think it, I think it's striking in this chapter. You have the beginning where... It's the mom to her son who's a king, and then you have a woman who fears the Lord, like the, you know, the Proverbs 31 wife that, mm -hmm. you know, there's it's, ministries built yeah, off this name. It's King Lemuel's mom to King Lemuel describing the kind of wife you ought to be looking for. Right. Instead of saying, hey, don't we mess around with these tricks? Yeah. Right? Which right. is also an offensive statement these days. <laughs> right? King Lemuel's mom is saying to him, stay off of OnlyFans. <laughs> Sorry, I did it again. Yeah. You know? But no, just again, it's the regardless of the stature, a like or stature or status, right? Doesn't matter if you're a king or a stay at home wife, you know, not that being a stay at home wife is like a lesser role or anything. But, but you see it as one. But if even if even if you do see it as one, there's still a call to excellence in Christ. You know, and again, there's the clothing putting on imagery, you know, in verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. Like there's a resting in being enclosed in God's righteousness that you choose to put on, mm -hmm. you know, like when you are actively putting on the call of Christ, you know, later on, we'll talk about like the armor of God and Colossians three and a couple others, but all of it has to do with you put on how God encompasses like every aspect of you, you know, that is the part that people see. Like when you're putting on clothing, people see that, you know, girls especially will cut, like that's one of the first things out of our mouths when we see each other. Oh my gosh, girl, I love this outfit. Where'd you get this? You know, that's, that's how it ought to be with our Christian character. Like, oh my gosh, you just have this joy about you, mm -hmm. you know, like you were just set apart from the rest of your coworkers because of your kindness and, you know, your meekness or the fact you don't get wrapped up in gossip, you know, the list goes on. But the thing is, is like, with that comes a peace. Like she laughs at the time to come. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm anxious wreck about the stupidest little things in my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't often like laugh at those things. And that's something right. to repent of. And it's, you know? the, and it's the same thing with Job. Yeah. Job is not a victim in his world. Right. Despite the fact that you could very easily paint Job as a victim of divine happenstance. Yeah. That's not how God paints him. 
Yeah. It's like, no, no, to even be in this discussion, right? And a lot of, that's what I say, man, a lot of us mature, we think differently, man. Like, like, like if you see Job as a man that suffered in vain, Mm-hmm. You don't understand the point of Job. You didn't even get the book. Job, <laughs> Job was not a man that suffered pointlessly. Job was a man that suffered for the glory of his God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going there, right? He suffered so that God could lift up his glory before the heavenly realms. Yeah. And you think that's a waste of time? Yeah. Really? But that's what we say to Christian character a lot of the time. That's a waste of time. That's a lot of pointless suffering. That's a lot of pointless sacrifice. No. It's for the glory of God. It's not wasted. Yeah. It's where my strength was meant to be spent. The immature in Christ believes that his strength that Christ gave him is meant to be terminated on him and the comforts of his life. The mature in Christian character know that their strength that is gifted to them in the cross is meant to be spent on the weak, which is where Job spent a majority of his time before suffering prevented him from being able to do so. In the season of his life, when most of us would just be considering our own peace, he is diving headfirst into headache after headache, breaking the jaws of the unrighteous. You don't think that might have might have brought a little unnecessary complication to his life? No, it's light work. Like light we were, work. like we really think Job's life was comfortable before it was uncomfortable. Yeah. No. No, if you think Job's life was comfortable, then be Job for a week right. and tell me how comfortable you are at the end of it. Yep. Dang, man, my knuckles is tired breaking jaws all week. Yeah. Dang, man, I don't have a lot of time for, for me time mm-hmm. since I'm being the refuge for widows and the poor all the time. There's not, much time of, yeah. there's not much time to focus on building a greater and better America because I'm busy using my Ooh. vote on people that aren't me. Because that was also what Job said was a part of his righteousness. Yeah. He said, God, strike me down if I didn't use my vote for the poor and the defenseless in society. Mm. And not on me. Mm. But yeah, Job's life was comfortable right. before Satan. You know, sure. especially if you're funding, you know, you know, you're, if you're helping orphans and widows, that is a financial thing too. So you think mm-hmm. you don't have, you know, and you think of like, um, at the end of Job, especially, you know, God like restored you know, mm-hmm. his property and whatnot. And you think like he had that beforehand, like he had money. And that's how he used it. And that's how he used it. That's how he guarantee, I can it. guarantee you this dude went back to doing all that. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. And more. Right. Like, cause that's how the mature are, <laughs> you know, but to, but to wrap it up with this half, right? James five, James five, verse seven. He says, be patient brothers until the coming of the Lord. Patient in what way? We'll see. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. All right. So what is James saying? Be patient, but very specifically be patient in your Christian character. Those are his examples, right? Because as I said to you, Meredith, before we turn the mic on, it's not enough 
to suffer for a long time if you don't suffer well mm -hmm. for a long time. Yeah. Right? That's why he says don't grumble to one another. Right? This, this thing's about your character, man. Yeah. Be patient. Be long-suffering in excellence of character. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. Because we have a hope of future judgment. Be patient in our character. And what is patience, really? Except the ability to hold heavy weights for a long time without compromising yeah. your stance. Right? Excellence of character, no matter the weights. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, who kept going. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. James lifts up Job as an example to the entire church of Jesus Christ throughout the ages, because this is canonized, folks, to follow as an example of suffering well, as an example of persevering in top echelon excellence of Christian character. And yet we want to downplay it and say, well, God knows my weaknesses. Well, God knows I could never make it up that high. Well, we will be uh, detangling that lie yeah. after this intermission. Yeah. All right. So get your New Testaments ready because we are going to be having some fun. But for now, enjoy the slight reprieve of the intermission. A Meditation on the Judgment Seat of Christ by Leonard Ravenhill. I heard the story for years about the woman who came to Jesus with an alabaster box of ointment before I understood it, before I realized that she came for one reason only, she came to worship Jesus. How do I know? Because she brought the most sacrificial gift she had and because she never said a word while she was there. How do I know? Because she didn't wash his feet with water, but with her tears. She didn't dry his feet with a towel, but she dried his feet with the hair of her head and she poured out that costly fragrance and then wiped his feet. So what happened? The fragrance she poured out on him came back on her. Do you wonder why your life isn't more fragrant? It's because you don't take time to be holy. You don't take time to be with Jesus. Because you think all the knowledge you get at Bible school is enough. No. God is not going to measure your intellect. He's going to measure your life with his fire. Did you get up this morning and thank God you are pure? Did you thank him that he broke that devilish fever you used to have for sniffing cocaine or something? Are you really glad you're not a prostitute anymore, but now you're a part of the bride of the lamb instead? Are you glad he removed your bad temper and all those creepy, horrible things that used to master you? I think again of a statement A.W. Tozier made to me once. He said, Len, you know, we'll hardly get our feet out of time into eternity that will bow our heads in shame and humiliation, will gaze on eternity and say, look at all the riches there were in Jesus Christ, and I've come to the judgment seat almost a pauper. I remember crossing a square in the city of Bath in the 1940s. I saw two very fine young ladies, one a young lady, the other one only a girl. They were beautifully dressed, and as they marched across that square, I thought, 
There's something different about those girls. Then I discovered that they were princesses. It was our present Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, and her sister Margaret. They were part of English royalty, and, you know, there was a dignity about them very different from anybody else who walked there. Well, as Christians, we are part of God's royal family, and it should be evident to all that we meet that we are a different type of people. If we can't live as a different people on this earth, we've got no right to live here. We shouldn't be affected by changing customs or changing styles or changing opinions or whether the stock market goes up or down or whether the clouds are gathering for war. Those things don't make any difference. We ought to live every day as though we've come out of another world into this world, but with the power of that other world still upon us. We should live and speak and move in that power and have our whole being in Jesus Christ. That final day is going to be awesome. Have you figured out you'll get on when you stand there? You and I will stand there alone on that day and be judged for every aspect of our lives, for our praying, our giving, our talking, and our doing. I still believe in the majesty of that eternal court with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Judge of Judges, the Tribunal of Tribunals. You see, there's no possibility of any rehearsal, and what's more, there's no possibility of any repetition, because again, this is the final judgment. And to some, God will say, come you blessed, but to others, he'll say, depart from me. No, it's not so simple to be a Christian after all. It's a majestic thing. We ought to live our lives conscious of eternity, ready to be cut off at any moment. If you were to stand before the Lord at this very moment, would you like your life story read by all the millions in eternity? None of the outcasts of hell are going to be there. Won't it be wonderful? Or will it? Or do you think you might shrink a bit when you hear how God used David Brainard or John Wesley or some little washerwoman that had a life of intercession? There's no burden too heavy or no situation too hard for the one that you love. If we are love-controlled, love-motivated, and love-energized, it will be alright when we stand up there because if there's one thing about love, it's obedient. We need to become a people who are baptized with obedience. We need to be submissive to the total will of God, not concerned about human opinion and not asking for more to spend on ourselves. We need to say, oh God, I want this life of mine to glorify you so that when I stand in your awesome presence, as John says, I shall not be ashamed at your appearing. Enjoy rest of the show. All right, welcome back to the show. Um, we're in the New Testament now, uh, just continuing that same conversation on the scriptures very clearly emphasize an expectation of excellence in your moral character. Sure, 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 sure. There's a lot of nonsense and pitfalls and all sorts of stuff that goes on in the churches. But in the midst of all of the church's nonsense, Paul will continuously lift up this standard of excellence that he's like, churches, come on. Um, and also something to note, it's not like every church failed to get there. You know, the church in Thessalonica didn't really have anything negative said to it. I think that is, I think that's worth remembering um 
a lot of what Paul had to say to Thessalonica was like, I hope you guys just keep doing what y'all are doing. Yeah. Which, Which would seem like, to insinuate yeah. that those cats, without their John MacArthur study Bibles and all of that, <laughs> yeah. could toe the line. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so, like I said, I'm not here necessarily for any one specific sin. I'm, you know, we're just here today to say God has a call mm-hmm. on you as his child to represent him yeah and that call matters yeah and we got to be more than flippant about it we can't settle for i'm just a sinner that's found grace yeah. because funnily enough the new testament actually doesn't look at its believers that way mm. yes you are sinners that have found grace but the new testament talks about us as much more than just that, when we grow up to a full maturity in Christ. Yeah. Um, and for me, I've got a lot of scriptures to kind of rapid fire at you, and then Meredith wants to have her fun in Colossians 3, which we will. Um, but for me especially, you know, one of the first things that kicked me in the tail about this was Ephesians 5, um, you know, because I had the classic man struggle with lust and all of that. And Ephesians 5 really really came from my throat, not so much because of what it said. I mean, I'd known from the Sermon on the Mount that lust in the mind was sin before God. So that it wasn't the redefinition of sin so much as a redefinition of what the scriptures expected out of me. Yeah, That really shook me when I first went through Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 5 verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Whoa. You want me to imitate God? Yeah. But Paul, I can't do that, is what a lot of us say. But I think, too, especially as a parent, the perspective shift of as his children, Mm -hmm. you know, like Omari loves following us around the house and trying to put on our shoes and all of those things. And his thought isn't, oh, man, I'm going to try on daddy's shoe and I'm going to fail and flop on the floor. It's not, man, I'm going to grow into the shoe. (laughs) I'm going to try walking around our apartment in it. Yeah, I'm going to stick my shoe in this. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do. Yeah. You know, it's not, you don't get caught up in the, what if I fail or I'm not there yet. It's a, no, this is what I'm going to become. You know, I want to be like daddy. I want to wear his work boots. Right. You know, the fact that I'm his kid and the fact that his boot is way bigger than my foot tells me that my foot one day is going to get there. Right. Yeah. We don't think like that. We don't look at Jesus and say, one day we're going to get there. Yeah. This side of heaven. Yeah. Like. Right. You know, like he's not getting caught up in all of the superfluous things that we do, you know. And walk in love. That's tough. But verse three is what kicked me in the face. But sexual immorality, one, sexual immorality, and all impurity, okay, or covetousness. Those are three really big hitter issues. All three of those things, Paul says, must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And it's that end mm-hmm. bit that gets me. The stink. What, what the, <laughs> yes, the, the stink. What do you mean as is proper among yeah. saints? My that's first, the expectation. That's the low bar. Like yeah. My immediate response to that verse as a young Christian was, what am I in? Like, as is proper among saints? Yeah. So... I need to grow up. <laughs> like, 
because it can definitely still be named in me. What in the world, right? And for those of us uh, that want to be really flippant with our tongues mm-hmm. when it comes to cursing and whatnot, well, the next verse is for is for you. Um, let there be, because he doesn't even say no cursing. It's way worse than that. Yeah. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk. Well, that's broad. Um, nor crude joking. It's also broad, which are out of place. Yeah. What? What? Your speech should be set apart from the world. Wow. Wow. Different down to speech, huh? Different down to speech. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I don't want to do that. Man, that's tough. That's very tough. Um, what was the other one of the other ones I'd mentioned to you? Mary? Um, Philippians. Philippians 3 works. Yeah, Philippians 3. Um, what's Paul's list of five things there in Philippians 3? His, his kind of life, uh, his kind of life motto. Mm-hmm. Um, we like the first couple of things on that list, but as the list moves on, we don't like it no more. Yeah, I'm struggling to find the first. Um, I oh, I found Philippians 3. Here yeah, we are. Yeah, go for it. Um, you know, starting in verse 8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Okay, yada, yada, yada. We've heard all that before. Um, but what does he say? He says, For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Suffering with good character, mind you. Um, in order that he may get five things. Just five, right? Everything in his life is worthless if I can just get these five things. We oftentimes talk about this list as if Paul only wanted the first thing. Yeah. That he may gain Christ. And that's one There's thing, more. yes. <laughs> but, but there is more, and it's the more that we don't focus on that yeah. makes me pause for thought. That I may gain Christ firstly, secondly, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Thirdly, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Fourthly, and may share in his sufferings. Fifthly, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Yeah. Right? That's Paul's actual list. Yeah. His list is not just that he would gain Christ as his Savior. His list is way more than that. His list is that he'd be part of Jesus' reclamation efforts of creation. Yeah. No, no, no. Jesus, are there still sufferings to be had? Yes. Or what are you asking? G- give me some, Jesus. I want to suffer with you. Yeah. I see Job's example in the Old Testament of how his sufferings became a testament of the faithfulness of God, of what God can do in a man, and the fact that Satan is tamed by God. If I get to tell that story through my suffering, sign me up. Yeah. Oh. I know. We don't see that in the church today. We see a... Uh... How can I get out of suffering? How can I make my suffering end as soon as possible? So that way, you know, I could talk about God's, you know, bringing me through it because I want to talk about that part, not the right. how he's with me right. in the midst of it and how right. he's growing and sanctifying my soul in the midst of it. Right. You know, we don't see that as a joy at all. Right. He, he wants to share the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. As if to, as if to indicate that there's a certain aspect of Christ's heart 
that can't be accessed even by his children yeah. unless his children join him on that rugged cross. Which I, I've i shared previously, like that to me, I experienced firsthand in the midst of the miscarriage. You know, like there were, you know, not that I would wish that on anybody, but like the the impact of my walk with Christ, I want for everybody. You because, finally understood yeah, what it meant when he said, blessed are those who mourn. Yeah. Whoa. Right. You know, like it's, it floored me just how like certain scriptures just made sense. Like with what you just said, but also just that like he's able to sympathize with his weakness, you know, mm-hmm. that like you can work so hard and be so excited for a harvest just for it to produce death. Like that floored me in the midst of it, you know, mm-hmm. pregnancy's hard and brutal, even in the first few weeks, you know, like we had a first trimester loss. That's, that's really early on. But even then, like there's still a lot of work and sickness and mm-hmm. physical like turmoil that goes on in your body. But like, you know, he's able to sympathize with that, like to work so hard to produce something. Yep. Yeah. That's dead like that. Yeah. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Like, I want to do more than just know Christ. Yeah. I want to be like him. Yeah. You know, that's his five things. It starts with knowing Christ and it ends mm-hmm. with becoming like him in his death. And that journey. That's, yeah. that's the journey. <laughs> that's the journey of Christian maturity. Yeah. You begin with knowing Christ and getting the righteousness by faith that's separate from works. Mm-hmm. But you grow up unto this desire to be made like your Messiah mm-hmm. and to uh and to sympathize with him in his sufferings the Mm. way that he sympathized with you and your sin at the beginning of it all yeah that's the true great exchange yeah but a lot of us resist in our sanctification because we see that call and we kind of hear where it's going and we kind of see the path taking us out outside the city to the cross and we say i don't want none of that god yeah i don't want none of that god and we resist the parts of the bible that try to show us god's glory manifested and revealed through suffering and we try and act ignorant and we say, I don't understand this God. Even though we can look at the cross and claim to understand it perfectly. There's no difference between Jesus and Job. Not really. Sure, Jesus' death is what affects your salvation. But as far as what's happening there, they are both righteous men suffering. Yeah. In such a way that looks pointless to the world. Yeah. Right? It's just Job's life is interpreted in the life of Jesus. Yeah. If you say you understand Jesus' life and suffering, you should get what happened to Job. Mm. He suffered for the glory of God. He suffered for the reputation of God in this earth. Why do you think unbelievers don't understand the story? Because it's the one moral they don't want to understand. And yet we as the church act like we don't get it either. And so we don't. We don't get any of the wisdom that Job has for us. The wisdom of, no, actually, I will see my Redeemer face to face, and it's almost my suffering that taught me that. Maturity. And that sort of thing helps your Christian character along. So much so that Paul would say in that same chapter in Philippians 3, Um, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He called the upward call of God in Christ Jesus a prize in and of itself. 
not what you get from listening to it. But just the the call. The to, call itself uh, yeah. for Paul was a prize. Again, like and, I said, man, we look at it as a weight. <laughs> we look at it like a curse. Like yeah. I said, man, there's a certain level of maturity that Job had to get to to qualify to be in that book. Right? There's a reason why the apostles walked out the synagogue saying, thank you, God, for counting us worthy to suffer for the namesake. Mature. Mature. We met Jesus. We know him. We have faith in him. But we want to, I want to grow up, God. And growing up in this kingdom means suffering with the Messiah. In some way. Sometimes it's physical. Other times it's your reputation is dragged through the mud. Other times you're just misunderstood. Even though that in and of itself is a cross worse than a lot of times we consider sometimes. But that's what it looks like. And that's really why we're afraid of Christian maturation. Yeah. Because we know the older Jesus got, the closer he got to his cross. Mm. So doesn't that mean the older I get, the closer, uh-huh, yep, because you're in him. Mm -hmm. So you go where he goes. Yeah. Do you want to? you want to like i said we we talking talking today and paul would say in verse 15 let those of us who are mature think this way well paul what if i don't want to his response to that is well if in anything you think otherwise god will reveal that also to you only let us the mature hold true to what we have attained mm. Oh, mm. come on man come on man this thing runs deep. Mm -hmm. We just don't want it to. Yeah. We just don't want it to. Yeah. I have prayed that prayer before, by the way. God, let me share in your sufferings. And I promise you he answered that within 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. I promise you he answered that within 12 hours. Yeah. And I lost quite a few friends. Yeah. But I tell you what, man, I was like, yo, my God lives. Mm. I serve a living God. He answered that. Y'all think y'all serve a dead God because y'all are asking for promotions and all this other stuff to be spent on yourself. But the second you ask for one thing to be spent on the kingdom, mm -hmm. watch how quickly your God shows up to answer that prayer. Yeah. Wild, isn't it? Yeah. Like y'all think y'all serve a dead God because y'all's request is dead. I need somebody to stand up, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, man. Come on, man. We gotta get moving, man. What's up? What else on the list, man? We got First Timothy. Um, What's it say? What's First Timothy tell us, Meredith? Chapter three. Again, I keep losing my verses. Um, uh, verse fourteen. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Oh gosh. Which this like follows, you know, his list of qualifications for leaders in the church, both overseers and overseers and deacons. But like, regardless of that role, like that's still, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. that still applies to. I'm writing this so you know how to yeah. behave in the household of God. Right. 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 Like, yeah. which, you know, just because you may he's not using be... the character of the deacons as a yeah. pattern for the rest of the congregation. Exactly. Like it doesn't matter if you're a deacon or not, like you're still called to those. Come on, man. Um, to those character traits. I don't want to hear y'all holding the pastor to a standard that you, you yourselves break yep. willingly. Willingly, constantly, as soon as you leave the church house or even before you even leave it. Come on, man. Come on, man. So pastor can't go to the club, but you can. <laughs> okay. All right. Pastor can't have a couple drinks, but you can. All right. All right. All right. I hear it. I hear it. We'll keep moving. Yeah. We'll keep moving. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
But First Corinthians 3, man, I'm going to have fun with this one because I like this one. All right. Don't hear what Paul's complaining against. Hear his rationalization. It is crazy. He says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready. Okay, there's a lot of stank there. A lot of you should be, but yeah. you ain't. I'll yeah. meet you where you're at. Right. And as much as we love to sing about it, let's not act like that's always a good thing. Right. That doesn't always bode well for you. <laughs> but what does he say? For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Only in. What? Exclusively. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollo, so you're not being merely human. This man really just came at the church for being human. Yeah. Sit on that. Like, really say lie that, dude. Because in response to everything we've said in this episode so far, from beginning to now, there's something in you that wants to respond, if you're mature, with... But I'm just human. God knows my limitations. He knows I am but dust. And now you start quoting Psalms and all this other stuff. He he knows my frailty. Yeah. The scripture does. And that's what it says anyway. Yeah. Really? You're acting like a mere human? Yeah. As if Jesus didn't make you in a new humanity? Yeah. Oh. Like, I want y'all to hear the tone of these verses, man. Not even so much what's said, but the tone. The disappointment, for lack of a better word. At Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Jesus saved you, and this is what he gets. Yeah. This is the people for his own possession that he bled to get. And if you take issue with that as guilt-tripping, maybe. You know, I'm not one of these cats that want, that's going to use rhetoric and then run from the rhetoric I'm using. No, no, it, it might be that. Right. It might be. Yeah, it, yeah. This very well might be. Yeah. But it's canonized guilt tripping. It's guilt tripping <laughs> from the Holy Spirit. What do you want me to do? Not preach it? Yeah. That's the standard. Right. So much so that it's just, are you serious? Yeah. Like if you are just, just cruising in your human way. You are not living in faith that he is big enough for your problems, you know, because that's that's the heart of it, you know, is that like if you're saying, you know, I just really struggle with this. You're saying that God can't touch it, you know, that he isn't sovereign or um, or powerful enough to take away, fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, anxiety, lust. Again, whatever the, the most common example is, whatever it is for you. Like if you're saying that you don't have faith in him and, you know, like I think of Hebrews 11 without faith, it's impossible to please him for the one that draws near to God knows mm -hmm. that he exists and that he rewards those mm -hmm. who seek him. Like you cannot be pleasing to God if you are not putting your faith, which means that you are constantly living in a way and putting on his righteousness. Like all of these scriptures that we've talked about and will continue to for the next 10 minutes or so, like if you aren't constantly living in a way that is pushing yourself to put on the armor of God, to put on a transformed self, to put on his righteousness, to mm -hmm. be abiding in him, you are not pleasing to God, you know, because you are not showing that you have faith in him. You're saying that your problems are too big for uh -huh. him or... Uh -huh. 
you know, that You're he is Like, he's pleased with you at a positional level. Yeah. Like, yeah, when he looks at you, he sees Jesus, but he's all seeing. He sees your life beneath the blood, too. Exactly. Exactly. Come on, man. Right. Come on, man. <clears throat> How your phone with Colossians 3, dog? Yeah, so this is probably one of my favorite books of the Bible. It kind of rotates around, but, you know, Colossians is a frequent favorite. Um, specifically chapter 3, like when we were talking about this the other day, just... I, I look, you know, like we've, we've talked about several verses, you know, and there's verses that we could have brought up, you know, like the armor of God in Ephesians yeah. and, um, there's, there's way more that we have brought up or time to talk about today. Yeah, keep in mind, we literally haven't touched the Sermon on the Mount. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that, you know, there's, there's so many scriptures that we could talk about on this topic, but for me, Colossians three is always one of my go-tos with this. Like it is such a list of. Like, it's such a wonderful prescribed list, <laughs> you know? So, like, you know, starting in verse 1, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Again, like, you should want that upward call. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Which would seem to imply that you do have the ability to set your mind yeah. on the things of Christ if the first part of this is fulfilled. Exactly. If you have been raised with Christ, yeah. you actually do have the ability to set your mind mm -hmm. on the right things. Right. But do you believe that? Yeah. Remember Hebrews, if you ain't got faith, you can't please him. Yep. Yeah. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's also tough, mm -hmm. right? If your life is hidden with Christ, then God. You yeah. got to search for it. You got to dig for it. Yeah. Might not always be so obvious, but you got your life description in God. Yeah. Go after it, man. But it's yeah. not in this world. Yeah. It's not in this world. Mm -hmm. Trying to live, trying to live as an alive life down here dead. Yeah. Got to look up to see it, man. Yeah. You know, and then he starts with a list of things to put to death. You know, which, which would imply that you can, which not just and that, that you should every day. Yeah. Not just that. But for me, something that I meditate on every time I go through this is put to death, giving it no opportunity to spring back up. You mm -hmm. know, it's not just take it off, you know, like you have a coat of, you know, covetousness that you put on and you just take it off when you get home. No, it is extinguish it, kill it with fire. Like, please just get it out of your heart and life, you know, put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you? So again, thinking back to that Corinthians verse, you know, don't don't live in such a human way, mm -hmm. you know, put to death. What's earthly yeah, to say in it in, yeah, to say it in Corinthians language, put to death. Yeah. Your first life humanity. Yeah. You know, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, which that another episode. Yeah, that's another. <laughs> evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you two once don't, walked. Yeah, don't get it twisted now. Yeah. Go back and listen to that episode on Hill. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. When you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. And it just, the list continues, you know, as if that wasn't hard enough to put to death. The list continues like anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Again, that call, like you are called to stand amongst the crowd as a light. Like do not mm -hmm. allow your character to be corrupted by the things that the world is trying to swallow you up in. 
you know, you, that used to be you, but if you are identifying in Christ, you have an upward call. Let that be your identification. And verse 10, and you have put on again an action that you are in control of the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. Again, just you have the action and the ability to continually eat the bread of life. Like that is how you grow. You put on this new stuff by being in the word, by partaking in the means of grace. You At, have the ability. You have that. To lick the plate of life clean. Yeah. <laughs> in praise to Elohim. Dog. Yeah. Um, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So again, just a call back to who you are in him. Um, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 12 uh, for the sake of time. Like put on then as God's chosen ones, again, just like a constant reminder of who you are as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if someone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, which I love that, by the way, you know, it doesn't talk about like picking apart and being nitpicky. It's just kind of like, yeah, I forgive you, you know? Yeah. Like you wronged me, but I forgive you. That's that's all there yeah, is. Yeah, you know? we address it properly. Yep. That's what forgiveness is. Right. And once it's been addressed with repentance yep. on the part of the person who committed the offense that was necessary yeah. for forgiveness to be given, mm -hmm. you give it yeah. because that's God. That's God. Yeah. Um, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive that command, that call, that upward, you know, that upward calling. But God, I can't forgive. God, you know my situation. Yeah. You know he done did me dirty. You know he done left me with these kids. You know she done stole my kids from me. Uh -huh. You know I can't forgive her. You must forgive. Yeah, it's a call. It's a command. And Choose a this day what you will be. Yeah. Immature or mature. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Like your love for, of the father ought to just ooze into creating community and connectedness with the body to stand out from the world. You know, you're doing all of this in and amongst it. You are doing all of this list of things. You're being compassionate in the midst of the world that is full of wrath. You know, you are, your call is to be the opposite of what the world is trying to swallow you up to become. You know, and that, and so again, just going back to like where we started with this, that if you are saying like, I can't do all of this, I can't do all of this. Of course you can't, you are just merely a human. But if you aren't actively putting on, you know, the armor of God, if you aren't putting on a cloak of righteousness, of course you can't do it. <laughs> this isn't a list of things that you're supposed to do as a mere human, but you're supposed to be doing this as a follower of Christ. So of course you can't do this on your own. You're not supposed to. You're supposed to do it through Christ. Um, and put, like, again, we didn't talk about, but like in Ephesians, you know, the first piece of the armor of God is to be strong in the Lord. Again, in, in Colossians right here, you know, you put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. You should be abiding in the Father so much, putting on 
um, his righteousness daily so that you can stand up amongst the world. Because, of course, you can't do it on your own. Yep. Yep. I hope, look, if, if that doesn't convince you, if all of that doesn't convince you, but there's a call on God for your life to be mature, to be holy as he is holy, then your heart's just hard. Yeah. And look, all, all we can really do is just pray and hope that God eventually chisels that ground up. All right. Like you can hear all of that scripture and be like, yeah, but, but God knows my limitations. If, if you can really scoff it off like that, Okay. Okay. But for those of us that die daily, yeah. I very much hope this was a pulse check worth having, man. And Indeed. look, man, we'll be back later in the week with stories of the persecuted church to kind of drive this point home, hopefully. Um, but for now, man, like go after Christ, find ways to serve him in the week, right? Find ways to serve the king. Be in peace, man. We'll be back next time. Yeah.